This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast revisiting television sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. This week, I married a monster. Our gene pool has been diminished to the point where we can no longer reproduce with our own kind. We needed to find a place, a way to keep the species alive. Why here? Why Earth? You have no idea how truly a rare life is in the universe. But so far... The interbreeding isn't going well. Like Linda. Is that the result of this grand experiment of yours? Is that what I have to look forward to? You are carrying our only hope for the future. Have you ever heard of abortion? I'm honestly offended by the notion. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast that learned everything it knows from TV. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? I'm worried about something on this that I don't think has ever happened before. I'm worried I have too much to say about this movie. <laughs> well, that's great, because I have the exact opposite problem. <laughs> Eeyore, what about you? I'll be in the middle ground. I can probably fill in the gaps and not say too much, so I'm like, I'll be the middle guy. The mediator. Well, as you can hear, we're joined by a guest this week, returning guest, Ihor, welcome back to the program. Uh, I'm glad to be back. I feel like a veteran. So, uh, what were you here for last? I... I always think about this before we start and i'm like i'm not gonna look it up so i'll just ask the guest <laughs> I, I actually was trying to remember the name of it yesterday it was that tyrannosaurus rex steel justice that, steel justice i knew yeah there you go i knew it would have come to me steel justice which was what episode 60 so you guys are almost 100 episodes in since uh since that recording so wow Time every flies. every 60 episodes you get to come back <laughs> awesome awesome i'll be there and people still ask about steel justice they ask when's you coming back and when's the sequel <laughs> Oh, really? Wow. Wow. You guys are flattering me. This is what Jordan gets on the street. Yeah, on the street. People, people Word on the street. Yeah, they're stopping me all the time. It's it's mostly <laughs> steel justice related questions. You said it was like the one of your top 10 most popular ones. Like part of me wants to think it had something to do with me, but I know it's pr- clearly factors outside of anything that I had to do with. So I just uh, it's curious, though. People like dinosaurs and people like robots. And, and they, they like and they like um, uh, magical people who go into your dreams and tell you to think up robots. <laughs> oh wow! There you go. <laughs> well, we're not talking on Steel Justice this week. This week we're talking about a very different film. <laughs> I married a monster from 1998, a uh, UPN film, the one that kicked off UPN's apparently long-running science fiction nightly movie trend that we started with. Uh, what was it called? Codename Phoenix. Codename Phoenix. Yeah. This was the one that started it all, apparently. It's and so uh, for everyone listening, it was like UPN just decided at one point, like you know where the money's at, weird TV movies that are kind of vaguely science fiction, and they just pump them out. And I think they spent about thirty dollars in each of them. <laughs> it, it's got that uh, goosebumps for adults feel. That's kind of what I what I what I realized when I was watching it. Yeah, it is like borderline a Hallmark movie. <laughs> yeah. Just well, scary. It's interesting you guys say that because that was one of my notes, uh, you know, before we even get into it was for all intents purposes, this is a Hallmark movie where it's sort of like scenes of people talking that aren't really saying anything. And then you go to another scene where people are talking and they don't really say anything. The only difference is there's kind of an alien in this. Other than that, this could very easily be changed into a Hallmark Christmas movie. 
Yeah, it's it's all about relationships and getting married for every single character. Uh, other than there being an alien, you would never know the difference. I, I think that was best exemplified by that scene where the alien's dying and he's like, I still loved you. And then he like fades away. And it, it had this very hallmarky cliche moment to it. And, and I should mention that the writer, this name guy's named Dwayne Poole, he's like written a bunch of TV movies. And in the last 20 years, he has written exclusively Hallmark Christmas movies. So like that's what this guy does. That's what he knows. That's a good they, gig. They just got a Christmas guy movie. And they're like, what if you stick an alien in it? He's like, but we're still just talking about a marriage, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> just write in an alien somewhere. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about Dwayne Poole. I've got a little trivia about him for you. What's oh, that? Okay. This is very specific to a very specific group of people in probably a very small window. But I know him best because he wrote, I think in 1990, a uh, film for television in which all of the Saturday morning cartoons teamed up together to stop a kid from smoking crack. <laughs> what was it's that? It was an anti, anti-drug show? It was, uh, it was in 1990. Hold on. I got it at the end of my notes because I was going to bring this up much later. But... I remember watching it as a kid, and it basically was a, a you know, a very like I think Bush-esque era thing where they, it, they brought together the Muppet Babies, Elf, Winnie the Pooh, the Looney Tunes, the Smurfs, Garfield, Slimer, and the Ninja Turtles to stop a child from doing drugs. Wow, this is like the cartoon version of Live Aid. Yeah, it was called Cartoon All Stars to the Rescue. And as a kid, they used to have it at the v- at the video store on VHS, and it was the only video you could get for free. And I think we used to take it every time we went and just watch all our favorite cartoon characters team up together. <laughs> to fight. What did they do? Did they actually fight someone, or did they just sit around a room lecturing children? <laughs> That's basically it. They, like, they would all individually like pop up and be like, hey, kid, maybe don't smoke that crack. And the kid's like, mm, maybe I will. And then Michelangelo would drop by and say, like, hey, have you thought about not smoking crack? Al- Alf shows up. He's like... My uncle died of fentanyl, kids. Don't be like him. <laughs> it's a lot of moralizing with, uh, with the car- your favorite cartoon characters. Yeah, so this guy, that's what I know him best from, is he wrote this really insane uh, cartoon crossover back in 1990. And I was like, wow, look at, look at how far he's come. <laughs> and uh, if we're talking about weird uh, uh, crew members on this, there's something else we should mention before we get into it, which is, it's maybe only interesting to me, but it has some of the worst wardrobe I've ever seen in a movie that this movie, and we'll go through it, everyone is dressed as if it's the 1950s, but seen through the 90s for some reason. And at first I was like, is this just like, is this just not very well done? And then I looked up the woman's credit. So the woman who, uh, let me just see my note here. So the costume designer is named Debbie Shine. And I was like, oh, is she just bad? Like, I wonder what, what's weird about why is everything so odd? So I looked up her credits. I'm going to give you a couple of her credits here. Hot Legs, Titillation, Insatiable 2, Sex Wars, Peeping Tom. She only does costumes for porn. <laughs> <laughs> so the woman, I looked at her credits. She's got like dozens and dozens of these. For like 20 years, she only did costumes for porn and then a few TV movies, this being one of them. This is like after her illustrious porn career, right? Like no, it's during. Later in- oh, it's during. Okay. So she took a break from her typical. I think she just had some costumes on the side. She just does a job. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <There> you- <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not going to fault anyone who's creatively involved in this. This whole thing feels like someone showed up and was like, hey, make a movie next week. And they're like, all right, we'll do the best we can. Like, it doesn't <laughs> feel like anyone's to blame. Like, there's no creative head who made a decision. This is. Everything about this felt purely mercenary, like, turn a movie in next week for X number of dollars. Everyone said, 
Okay, we'll do our best. Yeah. And they had the budget of a, a, a Who's Afraid of the Dark episode. Yes. And I mean, Jordan, actually, I will say to your point that everyone looks like they're dressed in the 50s. There is a reason for that. And that it probably is a conscious choice because this is a remake of a 1958 right. film, I Married a Monster from Outer Space, um, that was released as a double feature with The Blob. Right. But this doesn't take place in the 50s. Like, it may be an homage. Well, I think that's what it is. What you're seeing in this weird, like, timelessness that they give all the weird costumes in these places. I think to someone was just like, ah, it's kind of based on a 50s thing, so let's maybe give it a 50s vibe. Like, that's, I think that's the whole thought process that went into it. Oh, they're watching those black and white uh, movies throughout the, as well. So I don't know if that like influenced the aesthetic of that. Like, obviously, it was an intentional uh, choice, but it kind of reflects. Now that you guys are mentioning that, yeah, it sort of uh, reflects in the, in the tone of the movie. I think the costume designer was like, they're like, what do you want to do? And she's like, well, they're going to be dropping these clothings in a, in a couple minutes, right? They're like, no, 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 they wear them the whole scene. She's like, wait a minute, they wear them throughout the scene? No one told me this. <laughs> I mean, she was not, like everyone else, she came on two days before production was just like, what's yeah. happening? <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get into it in a second because this was broadcast in October 1998. And of course, we should find out what was happening in the world when I Married a Monster was on television. Mm. What was happening? I know Eeyore, Eeyore was rocking at home watching Dawson's Creek. Uh, yeah, that's true. It was the first year that <laughs> Dawson's Creek came out. So you can, that's true. <laughs> it probably started. I, gr- I graduated from high school. That's what I remember. That's 1998. That's, that was the year you graduated? Yes, it was. What was your graduation song, Eeyore? Uh, I didn't have one. Lady in Red. <laughs> Christopher? <laughs> Christopher. Do you think this is a personal thing you choose? You're a personal graduation song? <laughs> oh, it's not? <laughs> Usually the high school has a, like, dedicated song. I don't oh, think we do, did yeah. either. No, that's what I'm trying to think. We didn't have one. So. You guys may have been around that time that it was that um, sunscreen spoken word piece that oh. was in... Uh, if, if you were in, like, 1998, I think that was about the period that Romeo and Juliet was out, and that particular song in the soundtrack was everybody's high school theme. Uh, hmm. uh, yeah, it's probably around that time. At any rate, what was ha- what else was happening in the world? October 11th. I've only really got two things here. So October 11th, the now like massive multinational Chinese tech company Tencent was for- founded as a like ICQ knockoff. It was just like going to be a messaging app that really aped mm. ICQ. Um, but now, of course, it is uh, a heavyweight in science fiction because it is the largest publisher of video games in the world and has produced films like Wonder Woman and Terminator Dark Fate. Really? Oh, weird. I didn't know that. It is. A, it is a huge. Yeah, it is one of these like massive scale multinational corporations that we'll all be slaves to one day. Do you think in the office though they still use that messenger service? Like it's part of. They're like, hey guys, don't chat with each other on anything other than that messenger. <laughs> it's our legacy. They do because the messenger is now called WeChat, the biggest chat platform in the world. <laughs> I've never even heard of WeChat. Is that because it's in China? Yeah, it's it's huge in the Asian market and it's like mm. making its way over here. But that's it's it's where because. A lot of the messenger apps can't get out of the U.S. into the Chinese market. It's it's mm. one of the biggest in the world now. Weird. I learned something new. Yeah, that was founded two days or three days after this aired. Wow, doing much better than a, <laughs> much better than I married a monster. <laughs> uh, and in in continuum drag history, Jordan, one show was running that we watched during this show. TV TV show. Nineteen ninety eight. TV show. Nineteen ninety eight. Uh. Uh, I can lower. I can lower it down for you too. It happened. We watched it this year. Uh, it wasn't that British show with the vampires, was it? It was. It was Ultraviolet. Hey, nice. You're getting good. You're really p- putting these plays in your head on the calendar. Mm-hmm. 
Wow, what a difference in uh, what was on TV, huh? That ultraviolet, which was like, um, if you watched it now, you would think it, it was made a year or two ago. Like, it's it's pretty ageless. And then this thing is like just a timestamp of late 90s. <laughs> if you watch it in 1998, you'd be like, is this made this year? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It has the special effects equivalent of uh, um, that Eiffel 65 uh, music video, Blue. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that's the CGI we got, yep. quality we have in this movie. The CGI is hilarious. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into it, you guys. Here's the IMDb summary for I Married a Monster. Kelly's husband, Nick, begins behaving oddly, showing a surprising desire to make babies and shun his drinking buddies. Little does she know, he's not entirely himself. Do we think right off the bat, is this um, like a veiled attempt at like a pro-life movie? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I don't think this, uh, is, this <laughs> had any agenda whatsoever. I, I think they switched their intentions several times as the movie progressed. This was yeah, fair this, enough. The intention of this movie was like, here's $10,000, get us a script by Friday. <laughs> we got to shoot it next weekend. Um, it opens uh, on a wormhole opening in space, which uh, also very cheesily sucks up the title credit. And out of the wormhole pops a little egg-shaped spaceship, I guess. And these, these are these weird little aliens who are going to be coming to the town of Blue Falls. And in a classic sci-fi trope we've seen a few times, they're, they're learning English by watching our TV as they, as they arrive in our atmosphere. Mm-hmm. But they, they really uh, procrastinated, huh? Do you think they've been watching the whole time or it was like they just start coming into, uh, into our atmosphere and they're like, oh, crap, we better start watching. <laughs> they pop in and they just flip that TV on. They're like, all right, all right, all right, I got it. <laughs> They're learning human emotions. I noticed one of them they were watching was Superman. That's not going to help you. I mean, this is something that they didn't lean into, I guess, enough. I don't know if it would have been that good anyway. But, like, when it starts at the beginning of the movie, the, like, aliens are essentially body snatchers. They'll take over the, like, form of a human being so no one knows who's an alien and who's not. But they, for a little bit at the start of this, only speak in, like, commercial cliches. Like, they'll own, like if, if you've heard a catchphrase in a commercial, they'll sort of use that in their dialogue. But they really, like, don't lean into that at all. Like, it just pops up from now and then as a gag. But it just felt like I'm like, well, if you're going to do it, just, like, do it. Well, you're right, because that's it's not the, like, the freshest idea ever. Like, we've seen it a million times in TV where um, that you can kind of mine that for comedy, that sort of fish out of water or someone pretending to be someone else. And they, they you know, they get the wrong term or they use the wrong uh, turn of phrase or something. But there's no like subtlety or nuance or even real effort in this movie so that's just like they'll mention it but they're like just hand wave over that because that's not what's important what's important is seeing this couple argue over and over <laughs> so just uh just the aliens essentially took over they didn't take over the personality of the individual that they're taking over right like they just had their physical form because it didn't really kind of yeah that's one thing i was unclear about at the end, it almost had like a Matrixy vibe, but the whole movie it, it was an, an uncertainty. Well, they're they're going to land their little egg field out by an acreage outside of Blue Falls, where uh, a couple is about to get married, Kelly and Nick, and they're going to be our, our real core couple in this. I have a question for Ehor. When they were uh, um, uh, landing that ship, Ehor, do you think they had uh, trouble finding a parking meteor? <laughs> Well I knew Eeyore would like that. Well done. <laughs> I appreciate that one. <laughs> I've got more. Great. I'm, I guess this is what you've been preparing for all week. <laughs> Bring him on. Bring him on. <laughs> um, so it's like the day before this wedding of Kelly and Nick, and we meet Nick out at a, at a local bar just getting shit-faced with his buddies. 
they're playing pool. I'm hoping knuckle a hard knuckle out there. They're just shooting some pool, losing some fingers. Let me just mention one thing. I, I noticed in IMDb, I don't know why, the characters are all credited with much longer names than they need. His character is credited on IMDb as Nicholas David Farrell, and within quotes, Nick. Like, just say Nick. You're never going to... His, his last name's not important. And her, the uh, the <laughs> wife we're going to meet, is Kelly Victoria Drummond. Why do we need so many so many names? We don't need their middle name. No, Somebody was just very committed to the getting all the details of this show I suppose. onto IMDb. <laughs> But yeah, they're they're sort of, I guess it's not a bachelor party he's at. It's kind of just like a pre-wedding party they're throwing him at a bar. Uh, did you notice the uh, the bar owner was one of the few faces I recognized? Uh, Jerry's dad from Seinfeld running the bar. Actually, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that. Four of the people are from Seinfeld. The two leads are both uh, Seinfeld and the dad from Seinfeld. And then another guy who was one of George's bosses in Seinfeld. Four major people who are all in Seinfeld at this time. It's like they were like on the lot across the street. And they're like, hey, just come on over. Just come on down. You, you and you. You're yeah. in. <laughs> That's how they formed. No, I guess Seinfeld was on at that time too, right? Yeah. Like, well, yeah, Seinfeld was already running. But essentially what we get to see is they're, they're getting drunk at this bar, having a good time. And after Nick is good and drunk, he gets in his car and drives over to, I guess, the acreage he and Kelly share. There's so much drunk driving at the start of this movie. I love it. I love that they they just, they, they, I was like, oh, maybe that's a thing you're not supposed to notice, but they like mention it later. He's just like, yeah, I was drunk driving. Can you believe it? <laughs> they all love it. They're all like, great. <laughs> Uh, but he goes over to see Kelly on the night before their wedding because he 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 wants sex. He's very drunk. He wants to go have sex with her. And she shows up at their, I guess, shared acreage. He, I guess he's going to spend somewhere else that night because it's the day before the wedding. And he's just like, hey, let's have sex. She's like, literally, we have all of the guests at our wedding staying at our house tonight. We can't have sex with them in the house. And he's like, no, no, it's fine. And they proceed to have sex in the living room in front of the fireplace with the guests upstairs. Yeah, I liked it. It's ballsy. She, she's like, no, no. He's like, come on. She's like, no, no. Hard cut. They've, they're having sex. You're like, oh, okay. Well, that worked. His, they should have another shot of his parents just laying in bed, eyes wide, like horrified at what they're hearing. Hearing the noises downstairs. Yeah. Someone comes down for a glass of water and they're like, oh, no. Maybe that's their kink. Who knows? <laughs> And then once once they're finished, he goes and gets back in his car so he can drunk drive away. And what we didn't see is, uh, well, what we didn't talk about was as that alien ship landed, Kelly owns a dog. And that dog heard the alien ship landing because it, like, kicked up a storm and lightning was everywhere. And the dog had run off to find this alien ship. And now as Nick is drunk driving away, he nearly hits the dog on the road. And he's like, hey, it's Kelly's dog. I should follow it into the woods and, I guess, get it back for her because she misses her dog. But he'll stumble across this egg-shaped spaceship and get sucked inside and we're left to wonder oh what's happened to nick now that his wedding day is the next day mm-hmm. and and the it's it's kind of like uh like an orb like a dome that's sort of like electricity and purpley it doesn't look very good like the special effects haven't aged very well but it's it's the color that seems to be like everything in this is kind of purple it's like the gungan orb in the battle when they were battling the droids like they did that force field i mean you would, you would know you are because the listener can't see this, but you are in front of a Zoom Star Wars prequel background as a super fan. Sacy Tin, Kit Fisto, and that other guy. See, I'm even learning their names. See, super fan, everybody. <laughs> Just trying to describe it for the audience so they know what you guys are talking about if they didn't see the movie. It's like that purpley, glowy orb that doesn't let anything through. It's like a force field. You know, like the Gungan orb, everybody. Like the Gorgon orb in Phantom Menace. Go watch it. <laughs> But yeah, it's the the CG in this movie is 
horrible. I wouldn't even say of its time. It's of, of about four years before its time. That's kind of yeah. the effects they can use. I think they do okay with this one thing because they just choose to make it like a translucent, yeah, like force field-esque thing that you never get a good look at. So they're like, that's what it <laughs> is. So don't look at it too hard. Oh, and let me mention something while we're talking about this. The poster for this movie, which I don't know why they made a poster or a, a, like a promotional image, is um, of the the two main cast. Like it's supposed to be like their kind of wedding photo, but his face is all sort of like ripped off on the side and it's got an alien. But the weird thing about it is the alien in the picture is like a green tentacle thing. But in this movie, it's clearly purple. So like did they did no one take the time to to proof check this? They probably designed that poster before the movie came out, and then they changed the, it in the production budget. I think green is better, by the way. Yeah, purple's a nice take. I didn't, I didn't mind the purple. That was one of the only original touches to this yeah. movie was the purple. <laughs> I, I concur. <laughs> but yes, next day at this wedding, Nick's nowhere to be found. Kelly's mom is trying to reassure her that's going to be okay, and I believe her mother, her mother tells her, "Don't worry, your dad was always late. Is one of the only things we ever fought about." That and his drinking and his affairs. <laughs> I know it was it, it was almost almost for this movie a pretty funny line, and I don't think it was intended to be as funny as it came across because a lot of this dialogue, people are sort of like the the bar scene you mentioned earlier, where all the guys are together, they're all sort of like ribbing him, and they're all kind of making jokes, but they're not funny, and they don't sound like anything any human would say. But then this line came out; it was the the only sort of unintentionally funny line. I was just gonna say, I mean it. It's just so grim compared to, like, the rest of the film it's in. Like, it's such a, like, grim take on marriage that it is just, like, almost laugh-out-loud funny because it hits you out of nowhere. Yeah. It would be like, you know, they're just having the normal conversation. They're like, yeah, that's, like, the only fight we had. Remember when we lost our child? Anyways, back to the <laughs> wedding. <laughs> just as a side note. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Nick does finally show up to this wedding. And, of course, he, he just blames it on getting in an accident last night because, you know, he was drinking and driving. And everyone's like, ah, oh, yes, that makes sense to us. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> well, well, they and they also do mention, we, we kind of joked about how flippant everyone is about the drunk driving. But they also, a theme through this, we're going to find out, is the aliens don't drink. So anyone they whose body they take over, that's one sign that it's an alien is they don't drink anymore. But it's so weird that apparently the whole town is full of, I won't say alcoholics, but people who just can't stop drinking. So if you don't have a drink in one night, everyone's like, what's weird with this guy? It's odd. It's odd. <laughs> well, that's just it. And like Nick's behavior from now on is going to be clearly to the audience quite strange. Like you immediately know that an alien, his body swapped him. Of course, everyone else around them is just going to constantly be waving it away as just like, ah, it's just wedding jitters. He's just got newlywed wedding jitters. Yeah, like if it was me, I would have had him go to the doctor immediately because he's acting as if he has brain damage from the car accident. That's what I would have said. I'm like, he's clearly has hit his head. We need to take him to the doctor. But they're just like, let's see how this works out. I, I, th I think he'll get better. It took Kelly a while to catch on. Like you, you think it would have happened within the first hour? Took her a, about a, at least a good day. Well, it's true. And Ear, you mentioned this earlier, like how much of his personality does the alien retain? Like how much knowledge does he have of this planet? And I could never tell because even at this wedding scene, they're up at the altar. They're getting married. They're saying their vows. And of course, the alien doesn't know to say I do. Like he's just like, I, like the alien is just like on over his head. And that should be a sign. But when the priest says kiss the bride, he knows the that. alien's like, oh, well, I got this. I know how this <laughs> works. Well, it's something we've Selective. learned about these, these, these aliens is. It's it's sort of like like you're saying you're selective of of what they know and don't know. But one thing they do know is how to do it. That's one you thing these that? aliens know how to do. Because I kept thinking like, oh, they're not going to have a weird scene where the aliens having sex with a woman. But like, no, no, they're going to do it multiple times. 
and he did it quite naturally too. It's you know, like you know, it, it, it's funny that the aliens ca- share very human characteristics. They all speak English, but it's very selective what they do, like. They don't remember, so it's based on the director's uh, selective amnesia. It's, it's whatever they need to push the script forward. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but you know that's it. After the wedding, the newlyweds hop in their convertible and head off to their honeymoon at a safari-themed resort where all the staff wear pith helmets and khakis. By, by the way, they left their dog. Was was the dog not lost? And they just said, "Don't worry, he'll be okay." And they sort of just left the dog while they that went. That dog honeymoon. is now missing for the rest of the movie, and she could not give two shits. I, when I was pulling clips for it, I noticed in the background there are missing posters for that dog scattered throughout this movie, but no one ever mentions it. <laughs> no one cares. It again. No one cares. Poor dog. You well, know, you think if you had there's you a had character a dog. somewhere. There's a character somewhere that cares, but we don't see this character. They're the person putting up the wanted poster, the uh, the like missing dog posters, <laughs> missing but they dog. they're just off camera. And it's not the owner. No, clearly the person who cares enough doesn't actually own the dog. No, exactly. Um, yeah, they just like. Now we're at a honeymoon. It's all kind of for naught. Like, it's all the more just show how weird Nick is now. Like, he doesn't know how to use a credit card. <laughs> he doesn't want to drink anymore because, as Jordan said, alcohol is bad for these aliens. So now they're all, he's just like, oh, I, I quit drinking. Thanks, because uh, I'm married to you, right? <laughs> this is what you wanted. And we, leave, we cut from honeymoon, and they just go back home. Like, the honeymoon goes by in, like, two scenes. And it's just, I don't know what it's there for other than to show us he doesn't know how to credit card. Work. I was sure that it was going to be a thing. And I don't know why this is, I thought this, I just thought it was going to be a thing where he's going to keep trying to have sex with her and she, it was not going to happen for some reason because he's being weird, but they get, they get right into that. They're having sex all the time. But I had a question for Eeyore. Eeyore, after they had sex the first time, were you hoping she was going to say it was an interstellar performance? (laughs) It didn't occur to me, but I'm going to use that one next time I have sex. No, yeah, you're right. It wouldn't work. Okay, I, I guess I guess that's the uh, the thing. I, I no, no, say it and then say if Jordan was here, he'd find it really funny. <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> that's what your wife wants to hear <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> if Jordan were here, but speaking of coitus, though, um, was that what impregnated her, or was it that scene where she like later no, on? Because no, I, I didn't understand that. Like, what exactly? How did she? The timeline's that? a I mess. Think this is just yeah. I think that what's supposed to establish at this honeymoon is that, like, he's weird, but, like, uh, I guess the sex is okay. Because, literally, we jump to the next scene. They're coming home from their honeymoon, back to their acreage, and their friends, Linda and Steve, are waiting for them at home. And they immediately split off into, like, gendered pairs. They're like, you go with your friend, I'll go with my friend. And both of these friends, the only thing they want to talk about is, like, tell me details about how you had sex on your wedding night. <laughs> Spare me no like, detail. Who are these friends? I know. Yeah. You know, it's funny. That's the only scene while I was watching it, my wife kind of like saw and she's like, what kind of people like, like what kind of friends would like, is this a normal conversation between friends? And I'm like, apparently it is. Yeah, it is. It is insane. And like, this is when Kelly starts expressing some concerns over Nick's odd behavior during the, during, during the honeymoon. And her friend Linda reassures her that it's not that bad because her second husband only told her on their wedding night that this was his fourth marriage. (laughs) And like this woman, and like they just she starts just throwing math numbers around as to how many marriages she's had, how many marriages her ex husbands have had. I was just like, why are we hearing so much about this woman and her many, many marriages? With a comment like that, you want a little bit more backstory on it. You know, yeah, you don't get it. You don't get enough. Um, but anyway, like everyone else in this movie, they're just reassuring her, hey, don't worry about Nick. Just post wedding jitters. <laughs> this man's just got these wedding jitters. It's the one thing they'll say over and over in this movie. It's like, hey, is he acting weird? 
uh, newlywed <laughs> jitters. Forget yeah, and he gets it. out of a, at least two situations where he's like, look, here's the deal. I'm a little bit scared about getting married. She's like, yeah, I guess that makes sense for all the weird things that have happened the last six weeks. Yeah, forgiven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Nick goes off. He goes back to hang out with his drinking buddies. But, of course, now that he's a, a teetotaler, they're all a little put off. Um, and this Steve friend, he's just like, hey, man, all right, I'm a little worried about you. You're not drinking. And Nick's like, hey, you know what? I found something really cool in the woods. Why don't you come check it out with me? <laughs> And, uh, of course, Steve's going to get shoved into that alien ship, and now Steve's going to be body-swapped. Mm-hmm. Although this it, is essentially the... Although I say all the characters are so two-dimensional, it's hard to tell what they were like before to after. There's not that much difference. Just not drinking. That's the only, that's the only indicator. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and this is, I guess, the plot of the entire thing is, from now on, whenever we go back to this bar... More and more of uh, their friends now just don't drink. They all just drink soda water and they all watch TV to learn more about Earth's languages and customs. And that's how you basically, the only way you can tell that this town is getting taken over is that people just stop drinking over the course of time of this movie. The bartender is What not I like, happy. though, is that apparently, yeah, exactly. The, the entire economy of this town is based on bars. It's supposed to be like a small town. And at one, later on in the movie, we'll see, we'll actually see a bar has closed. And they imply that several bars have closed because this town of alcoholics are not drinking and it's just killed the lifeblood of the town. (laughs) It is so funny. It is very much that's the undercurrent. This small town only loves to drink. That's it. They turn their back on drunk driving. They, yeah, the bartenders, you know, that's his. uh... And the margins for these businesses are so thin that if a couple weeks people aren't drinking constantly, those businesses are done. Kelly, meanwhile, goes to visit her uh, her uncle, the town doctor, and uh, he, she's worried about him. So he's she's there to talk about Nick. He's like, ah, there's a problem with Nick. And of course, her uncle doctor is just like, don't worry about it, wedding jitters. But what we do get to see is that the local town paranoid is uh, overhearing their conversation. Yeah, and we'll see him like handing out weird pamphlets, and like we're like, oh, here's a man who's gonna believe her. This weird, crazy person who borders between like cute, you know, like cute local local kook and like full on paranoid schizophrenic in the scenes he's in. It's it's tough to tell what his deal is. But what's weird about this character is, uh, you almost want to give this movie credit because you sort of, as a someone who's at least savvy enough who's watched TV, kind of assume where this is gonna go. It's that. Uh, kind of trope of the guy who's a little bit crazy is actually the one we should be listening to. He's like, you know, I've seen aliens. And then you're like, oh, there actually is aliens. And that's where you think this is going. But then it's like they run out of time. They're like, hey, here's this uh, guy who's being set up as this. And then later on, they're like, yeah, don't worry about him. He's not important to this movie at all. He doesn't do anything. He's just, this is just a couple scenes of him getting thrown around. Well, that's it. He, he'll, like, see the, some alien body-swapped cops, or no, I guess they're not. He sees some cops go into an alley, and they're, like, either vaporized or body-swapped, because they walk back out, and now they're, like, regular cops, but clearly we know they've been turned alien. Like, he's been seeing the weirdness. He's, like, picking up on it, and you're just waiting for that moment mm-hmm. when he's going to, like, finally connect with Kelly, and they're going to, like, realize this is happening. And, like, there's almost that scene at one point where he shows up at her acreage. He's spying on Nick. But Nick just uses his alien psychic powers to call his alien cop buddies. They come and arrest this, like, local kook. And the next time you see him, he's been body swapped and out of the movie. So the, the, those two characters never cross paths. He serves no purpose. It's, it's, it's unnecessary to build him up and then, yeah, use him in such a trivial, unnecessary, frivolous manner. Um, but at any rate, uh, Kelly is still a little wonky. She, like... 
walks into the street after visiting her doctor uncle and nearly gets hit by her two friends, Stephen Lind, in a car, which I was just like, what is happening here? But they're just there to announce, hey, uh, my newly body swapped husband or boyfriend, Steve, he just proposed to me. I'm getting married, too. Isn't that great? Like, this is to indicate that this alien plan has something to do with marriages and soon to be breeding. I, I don't want to pick out the too much of this movie, but the timeline of this movie, I couldn't figure it out because... And sometimes it seems like weeks are happy, like passing, and sometimes it seems like it's a day later because, like, this she announces they're going to get married, and immediately they're getting married. Are we supposed to believe that weeks and weeks have passed? Because it seems like it's been days. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be a whirlwind. It's right. all happening at once. Yeah, because she like bumps into them outside after just after she's got married. Steve's just been turned into an alien, and he's immediately proposed, and she's just like. Oh, this is weird. What's going on in this town? But uh, thankfully for Kelly, she's quickly distracted because she sees, I guess it's a pet store with a bunch of puppies outside. And she just immediately buys a new puppy to replace the dog that ran away that she hasn't looked for. Talk talk about impulsive. Like she didn't even care to look for her old dog. I know. She's just like, ah, I don't know where that old dog went. I'll just grab a new one while I'm in town. That, That lady should not own pets. I'm telling you that. This was the part that made me the most insane. This whole thing with her missing dog and her just buying a new puppy. I was just like, I don't like this. Well, that being said, it's like it's not even the 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 major points that are irritating about the movie. It's these little minute things like why didn't she look for her dog? Why is she randomly buying another dog? It's these kind of like throw ins that are the most illogical. I mean, and it is just to set up a scene where she brings this puppy home. Of course, dogs don't like aliens. Like, (laughs) as you would expect, they bark when they see an alien. So Nick proceeds to kill the dog in the basement, the puppy. He kills the new puppy in the basement of their home. She left the room 30 seconds earlier, and then she's up in the kitchen, just hears a dog being murdered, and he walks in, and he's like, yeah, weird, the dog died. (laughs) He got, got yeah. (laughs) She didn't investigate that very well. Well, she's pissed off about it, but it's just so weird. She really lets it go that her husband obviously killed the dog. Yeah, well, I mean, there's supposed to be a sort of building of things where it's like, you know, one thing after another, but it's done in such a disjointed manner that it doesn't feel like it's building. But I want to mention one other quick thing. Um, there's a scene just before this where it would be the scene just before we go to commercial. If you're watching this on TV, where she comes home, I think after buying the puppy, and then he's angry and he starts cutting a lawn. And you get a, a shot where they pull oh, up, yeah. and you see that he's um, cutting a like circular pattern in the grass being like oh no he's making some sort of symbol for other aliens but one uh they've never given any indication that that's how they communicate and someone could see it and two we've never come back to it so it's just like isn't that weird he likes cutting yeah they're just like crop circles are fun it's just to uh reaffirm that he's an alien so that's what they would do in their free time but i have another question (laughs) i have another question for that eeyore do you think he should have said uh before he started cutting the lawn he should have come up to her and said Take me to your weeder. <laughs> You're prepared today. You've yeah. been working on these. Nice. Nice. Jordan sat down. He's been writing 20 minutes of material. <laughs> he knew I'd be a guest on today, so he's been working. That's great. <laughs> but anyway, he murders this puppy. And then, you know, she's obviously a little pissed off about it. But he's just like, listen, I got to go. I got to go sell some insurance to my buddies at the bar, which is now we discover around this point he sells insurance. And for the rest of the movie, he's just like, I got to go sell insurance at the bar. I'll be back. I actually think they missed a turn, though, because there is something I know it's not what this movie wanted to be. They didn't weren't looking for funny situations, but him and that fish out of water pretending to be someone else and then having to go still work. Is there something kind of funny there that they maybe could have done a scene or two? But also, this movie just washes over it because seemingly he is still working this entire time for weeks at 
you know, he's like, apparently, as far as we know, everything's fine. He's still he's still doing okay. He's still bringing home money. He's clocking in and uh, getting paid. I mean, especially since Kelly does not seem to have a job, that he would be the one who had to. Yeah. Well, it's the 1950s. She doesn't need to work. But him leaving to go to the bar, what we're going to see is they're going to watch some old black and white movie on the TV, and it's a very romantic movie where a guy reprofesses his love for someone in the movie. And this is kind of going to be a series of events that we'll see repeatedly in this film. Is like he has a fight with Kelly, he goes out, he comes home, and he just repeats the romantic scene lines from this movie to win her back over. She's back in love with him. This, you know, they proceed to have makeup sex. And we're going to see kind of this repeated over and over where he leaves. They have a fight. He leaves. He watches TV, comes home, quotes movie lines. She <laughs> forgives him. This time, like, they have, like, makeup sex. And in the middle of the night, she wakes up to see him leaving the house. And we get a scene where she follows him into the woods and sees this alien spacecraft and then is uh, quickly abducted for... They're really trying to mimic the abduction scene from... Uh, fire in the sky but like on a super low budget version of it i was thinking about that movie the whole time i was watching this for some reason there's a funny thing too when they're doing this at first because it's like a a wide shot of her on you know your classic kind of alien uh surgery table sort of thing and i was like is she naked and then they do a shot up close (laughs) and the aliens have decided to put her in a head-to-toe uh skin leotard like skin tone leotard i was like interesting choice aliens (laughs) i feel like this had to be pg they're very modest um, but yeah, it's just, we get a scene where she's spinning around at a table being, I guess, alien investigated <laughs> or whatever. And then, of course, she just then wakes up in her own bed at home and Nick proceeds to assure her, don't worry, all a dream, baby. It's all a yeah, dream. I hate this in movies. I hate with like, I know it's supposed to be like a gaslighting thing, but here's the thing. No one ever has had an experience, like a, a very uh, uh, traumatic experience or something uh, very vivid. And then the next day had someone be able to convince them it was a dream. It just, it, it, dreams don't work that way. They're way too ethereal and sort of, uh, symbolic and weird it's just not the same as something that you actually experience but you see this time and time in movies you're like oh it was a dream and they're like i guess it makes sense well jordan you're you're a believer in alien abduction so that, <laughs> so you 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 know that anyone who says they've been abducted is it's real you would know if it was a dream and they know it's not a dream and you're always just like it's happening luke we can cut we can cut this out of the podcast but real quick i went to this thing and it was like a exhibit for the stars and they were talking about aliens with some friends Anyways, and one person that I was with really embarrassingly put up his hand when they asked if anyone had an alien experience. And his alien experience was that him and his whole family were abducted. And the reason he knew they were abducted, because on the drive home, none of them talked. And they're all big, <laughs> and they're all big conversationalists. How embarrassing is that? <laughs> that, was his, that was his evidence. I'll give you a similar experience. I went very recently... When you could still go to the movie, there's there was a double header of uh, Fire in the Sky and Communion, the two like mm-hmm. late the, the new '90s alien abduction films, and so everyone was there just having a good time, watching Fire in the Sky, having some laughs at this silly movie. And halfway through the movie, someone in the theater shouted, "What's so fucking funny?" <laughs> and everyone was like, "Holy shit!" Somebody was there to watch this for like the documentary evidence, and was so angry that people were laughing. What's well, not a comedy though? Why were they laughing? Well, it's also just very silly. It's I, a very silly movie. I guess, yeah. I mean, in to, retrospect, to be yeah. fair, Luke, you did that during Jurassic Park too, right? <laughs> yeah, I was just like, "Why are you all laughing?" I mean, don't do that. This is a solemn film. <laughs> I'm watching this. <laughs> um, but yeah, some people like you, Jordan, big alien abduction. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm telling you, if your family drives back from an alien abduction and is not having a conversation about it, something funny has happened. <laughs> Something, something's wrong. <laughs> very quickly. We're hopping into Linda, I believe is her name, Kelly's friend. She's getting married. 
Kelly's trying to talk her out of it. Like literally at the, what, the, I guess they're doing the wedding rehearsal. She's trying to talk her out of uh, marrying Steve because she's like, Steve's an alien. You can't do it. <laughs> she's okay with it though. Linda's just like, listen. He quit drinking, and the sex is better. I don't give a shit. We're getting married. Yeah, this is the first time they mentioned not that not only that the alien's having sex, but that they're much better at it. <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny. And then we jump from the rehearsal to the wedding reception. They're married the very next day. And Nick, once again, like, this has to be the seventh time he's tried this. He's just, like, tells Kelly, hey, sorry I've been so weird. It's wedding jitters. But this time, Kelly's like, you know what? I'm choosing to believe it this time. Let's let's try this let's try this marriage one more time. I'm gonna pretend I don't think you're an alien, and I, it really se- she really he really sells it home because he tells the accordion band that's playing at this wedding it's it's mostly accordion this band to play their favorite song, and she's just like this is wonderful. This accordion man's playing the song you proposed to. I love you again. Well, so that's it. So he remembers their favorite song. So is there any remnant of her husband in there? Because how would the alien know? It has to, has to be. There's right? got to be something. But then at the end, like they turn it on its head and it, that's just something that really stuck out. I also like that he proposed to her after hearing a song played on a played on an accordion. Well, that too. Well, this is the <laughs> most romantic song I could think of to propose to. More importantly, though, she she forgives him and, and is all fine with him being weird. Like moments after he's incredibly critical of her for drinking champagne he's like and he's constantly just being like like a really annoying uh reformed alcoholic all the time and it's like okay we get it you don't drink anymore (laughs) she wants to make the marriage work so she's willing to try extra hard yeah i guess exactly well and the next day her uncle doctor informs her she is pregnant Mm -hmm. and not only that as soon as she leaves the doctor's office learning she's pregnant her friend Linda calls her and is like, I am also pregnant the day after my wedding. Yeah. <laughs> so the aliens plan to get women pregnant is working. In fact, they're so excited. They're celebrating with some uh, sparkling water at the bar. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, uh, Nick's, Nick and Kelly are excited. They go to a big fancy restaurant for the best scene of the movie. But Nick is just like. I'm so happy you're pregnant. Let's order some champagne to celebrate to really throw her off. Like I, I'm not drinking, not because I can't, but because I don't want to. He takes, he takes a big glass of champagne, cheers their pregnancy. And then as soon as he drinks, he's like, now, if you'll excuse me, I just need to use the bathroom. very quickly." He's like, excuse me. If you uh, just one moment, it is unrelated to this champagne. Let me assure you. He heads into the bathroom immediately, like beelines to a toilet to start puking it up. And just some schmo in the bathroom, washes his hands. He's like, Hey, buddy, had too much to drink? <laughs> At which point, this, I guess, pisses Nick off so much, he turns around, morphs into a gooey pink alien or purple alien in front of this man, shoots a psychic laser out of his head to pick the man up, give him a swirly in the toilet, and then I think we're led to believe flushes the man entirely down the toilet as an alien. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty good scene, though. That was a funny one. I mean, this is the best scene of the entire movie where a man gets swirled by an alien, but it was baffling and out of nowhere. It was. I think the character who who was just there to make fun of the guy throwing up at the toilet is my favorite character in the movie. <laughs> he is fun to watch, yeah. for sure. And it's the first time we really get to see this alien in its full glory, and it is some pretty rough special effects. He, like, he, it is. You can't take any jibing whatsoever, and the guy was unnecessarily confrontational for no reason. <laughs> Oh, man, it was such a weird thing. Where, yeah. Listen, I guarantee you, if you go to the Instagram and Twitter, that scene's going to be there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At any rate, this is just to say, like, 
everything's wonderful in this new world. Nick is getting away with being an alien husband. And Kelly and Linda immediately throw themselves a baby shower to celebrate their pregnancy. Hard to say when. Like, they don't look that much further along in their pregnancy. So is this a week later? Is this the next day? Who knows? (laughs) But at their, of course, baby shower, in the middle of it, Linda proceeds to have a full-on miscarriage. Mm -hmm. In one of the scenes that is also tonally out of place in this movie... (laughs) It is, we get a graphic shot of the miscarriage at some point. It's this, like, bloody purple mass. And I'm just like, why, why are you showing <laughs> us this? this? What is this fucking movie? Yeah. It was, it was, and I couldn't, I, I actually watched it a couple times to try to see if I could tell it was an alien baby. But it's unclear because it's just like, you're right. It's, it's almost too realistic for how silly this movie is. Like, like here's a real dose of realism for you guys who just thought you were enjoying some bad CGI alien movie. I, I literally wrote down, did not enjoy. <laughs> well, what's even worse was at the end, the cops like holding the bag with the re- remains just kind of like <laughs> yeah. casually. And he's like, he's like tosses it over like, here you go. Like as if it was nothing. I thought that was even more, uh, more out of place. Yeah. Well, the coroner shows up to the inve- to like investigate. He's just like immediately like blames it on Linda because she's like, "Ah, she probably took some crazy drugs as a kid and it fucked <laughs> yeah. up her He's baby." He's super Not patronizing. It's great. He just shows up to be critical. It's like someone has just lost their baby. He's like, "Hey, guess what? It's your fault." <laughs> yeah. And Kelly's really pushing him. She's like, "That looked really weird." And he's like, "Ah, I've seen worse." <laughs> he's like, "I got put pictures. I'll show you in the back." And then in one of in a show of baffling writing and like directing and like just creation choices we go from this miscarriage to hard cut two months later i was like what do you mean two months later yeah and so we we, we're led to believe that she has been having this rather tumultuous relationship with this guy for over two months and she's just dealing with it this guy who's clearly an alien I mean, my assumption was, like, I guess everything has been great for two months. Like, this is the honeymoon is going great. I don't understand. Like, it's just such a weird movie where it's supposed to be the constant conflict to suddenly hop over two months in a show that's, like, made us think two weeks have passed. But also, wh- why did two-, two months pass? Like, what, in terms of the story, why do they need the time passage? She- she's not even, like, I thought they'd put a pregnant belly on her to show she's more pregnant. They don't even do that. So why did the time move? Just to imply, I guess they were giving it a go. Yeah, I guess so. And the scene we come back to is they've gathered all of their, like, couple friends. They've all gone out to this park by a lake to have a picnic together. And out on the lake, Linda, who's, who lost her baby two months ago, is out with her husband, Steve, the alien, in a canoe. And all of the men aliens are on the top of this hill, like, watching terrified. And their wives are all like... Why don't you guys go for a swim in the lake? You guys love to swim in the lake. Every time we come to the lake, you're always swimming in the lake. And I guess in this world, like the movie Signs, aliens are afraid of water. So the men are all just like staring terrified at the lake. And, and is this the first time, by the way, that it's mentioned that water is a weakness? Or did I miss something? Brand new. Brand okay, new that's what I. All right. It's, it's all just yeah, it's well, very random. We needed the time passage to be able to establish that. So I, my note was... So no one's taken a shower or a bath in this whole time? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's a good question. That's a good point. The original scene actually was written that they were canoeing in a big vat of beer, but they couldn't find <laughs> one in time. So they had to like uh, re- well, reassess. Like, uh, uh, water. They don't like water now. What's the guy's name? Steve, right? The other the other alien guy? Yeah, Steve, Steve, Steve is the... He's really taken a chance, right? Like, I mean, I, I mean, to be fair, they have him look very nervous. And she's, for whatever reason, thinks it's hilarious to shake a boat, which, by the way... For anyone out there, if someone's scared, if, if scared, if someone's scared of drowning, and your joke is "I'm going to drown us," it's not funny. So, like, don't do that. So, not 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 that like she deserves any sort of bad fate, but like, 
the alien didn't want to go in the water. Just leave him alone. Listen, Linda's Linda's being a bit of it. He's clearly afraid, and she is really, really teasing him by rocking that boat. I didn't yeah. care for that at all. <laughs> yeah. She's exploiting his fear. Yeah, it, 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 I guess it's just have the scene where Linda and Steve are out in this bo- canoe. He's afraid, and then she basically has him lean in for a kiss. And I guess I guess the reason he's doing this is to really try to save his marriage. Like this alien is working hard to make this marriage work. Well, no, because he wants he wants to have her happy so that he can impregnate her. That's really what yeah, this all comes to, down to. He wants to have that baby. And she, Try as again. he leans in for a kiss, pushes him into the lake. And we get to see him fall in. And he's not only is he drowning in this lake, not only can this alien not swim, but also electricity is shooting into him from under the water, but no one else can see it. Yeah. It's invisible electricity. I think it's just for the viewers to know things are not going well for him under there. And then we cut back. And, like, the rest of this picnic is, you know... A hundred yards away. They're quite a distance from this lake. They're on top of this hill. They can see it all happening. And all the alien men, of course, are freaked out. Their buddy Steve has just fallen in, and they know he's done. And all of their wives simultaneously just start nagging them that they're not jumping in the water to save him. And I'm just like, well, neither are you. Your attempt to help him is to nag your husband. <laughs> what is happening? Like, the, the relationship of... Men and women suddenly takes this turn where the only thing women do in this movie is nag their husbands. And I'm like, I don't like where this is going. Yeah, it is funny because, I mean, I noticed the same thing. It's like they're yelling. Look, why didn't the whole thing is to to point out that the men are acting weird. They're like, why didn't you do something? Why didn't you do something? And it's like, well, you could have done something, too. But I did notice one man, I'm assuming not an alien, who hadn't been turned yet, who's apparently hanging with all his friends. He's the only normal one. And he he jumped in to save the uh, save the guy. That guy who jumps into the lake, Jordan, uh, the only reason I, I clocked him, he's like, there's like three lifeguards at this lake for some reason, and they're all like hunks. They're all like more oh, hunky he was, than most oh, of the men Oh, I didn't in this realize movie. he was a, a, a hunky, uh, uh, hunky lifeguard. Hunky and I was just like, where do these hunky lifeguards come from? But yes, he jumps in, he pulls Steve's, Steve out of the lake, and Steve is uh, okay-ish. Do they normally have lifeguards at a lake, though? It seemed unusual. And not only that, the lifeguards immediately have access to, uh, like, a tank of oxygen that they shove onto uh, old Steve's face. And this is where, like, Nick and all the all the couples get down there. And Nick immediately is just like, aliens also can't breathe oxygen. So he tries to pull the mask off. And everyone yells at him. He's like, are you trying to kill your best friend Steve by taking that oxygen mask off? So Nick just kind of has to let... Steve breathe oxygen and slowly die. Yeah, it didn't make sense because he's like, no, the oxygen's bad. I guess maybe it's something in a rewrite. I'm not that this movie had any rewrites, but that the to counter effect the water that's in his lungs, oxygen is bad. But you're right, it doesn't make any sense. The whole point is that it's another in 85 examples of him being weird that she's just going to ignore eventually anyway. But they're breathing oxygen. I know, it doesn't well, make any sense. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's what I was just like, also, like, you're in this atmosphere, I guess. I, anyway, whatever. He he essentially, Steve then essentially um, squeals like a uh, teapot going off, and then he dies. <laughs> that's how I'm going to go out. High-pitched and shrill. My favorite part of this is Steve is dead. Linda is obviously beside herself because her third husband has died. I believe she says, like, I've lost a third husband. But what I love is she turns around and she basically blames every man in their friend circle for murdering him. And I'm just like, you pushed that man in the water when he clearly did not want to be pushed in the water. You murdered that man, not these other people. Well, that's just a coping mechanism for when people feel guilt. 
they blame just throw others. that blame around. <laughs> yeah, throw the blame around. It was I'm just like, well, Linda, you've lost my respect. <laughs> and at no point yet after two months has she realized he's an alien. So well, I mean. Linda, Linda's intelligence is not one of her selling features to the many men she has married. <laughs> no, it's not. But after all this has happened, the weirdness of the men jump, not jumping the lake, Nick trying to pull that oxygen mask off, this is what finally breaks Kelly's back. She is now finally suspicious enough of her husband to go into the woods in her dream, and she doesn't find the spaceship. She just finds her old slipper, and that's enough to convince her yeah, aliens. That's interesting, right? Because... Earlier on, where we had a scene where he gaslights her and tells her it was only a dream, she she pulls out her one shoe and looks at it and goes like, "Well, my shoes, my one shoe is here, so I guess he's telling the truth." But she doesn't go. There's a shoe missing, and then she goes far enough into the forest to find the one shoe. I'm assuming another ten feet past, there's the alien ship. She's just like, "No, you know what? The shoe's enough. That's all the information I need. I don't need to go any further, anyone. That's all I need." Her threshold yeah. for evidence is very low. Yeah. Yeah. She. She goes directly to the police, who we as an audience know are all aliens. So her her attempt to tell them that her husband is an alien doesn't go so well. Though I do like, even her story sounds insane. Like, she didn't plan anything. She just shows up to the cops and starts screaming, my husband's an alien. And when they don't believe her, she's like, but I'm the sensible one. <laughs> I was just like, excuse me? It was it was like she looked at uh, looked at the show Bible and was like, her character was described as the sensible one. She's like, look, guys, it's evidence right here. And so that doesn't work. So she just has to go home and confront her husband. And I don't know. I hadn't noticed this up till now, but she pulls up to the house in her convertible to confront uh, confront old Nick. Did you notice her vanity license plate is just Kelly with a heart next to her? <laughs> I, I did not notice that. No. I got to go back and rewatch that. I was just like, what a weird license plate. But she goes in. She confronts Nick. When he won't listen, she uh, smashes the TV he's watching. And, like, that's the final straw. His face, like, turns purple alien and the cat's out of the bag. Oh, and I should mention, we, we didn't uh, this entire time, we haven't said that all of the alien men uh, have this weird little tick they do so that the viewer knows they're an alien, which is they kind of move their head to the side and it makes kind of like a crinkling noise, which I assume is, I don't know, something. Possibly their language, maybe. Yeah, but anyways, there's like a... And this is the first, that's been doing the whole movie, but then this is the first time where we see... We get a little uh, bad CGI of his purple face. <laughs> yes, it flashes over his like human face, and and basically the cat's out of the bag, and he essentially just comes clean. Like he basically is like, all right, let me just explain to you what is happening with this whole alien plot. We've come to your planet because our race's gene pool has been diminished, so we can no longer pr- reproduce with our own kind. Is that because they're interbreeding, or why? I, I don't know how a gene pool diminishes to the point where you can't breed with your own species, but you can now travel the universe to breed with other species. I don't yeah. know how that would work, but this is what is happening. They're now on some sort of interbreeding mission to other planets. And because Kelly has managed to remain pregnant this whole time, her baby is the best hope they have to like save their race. Okay, I have a couple questions. The first being... She's pregnant. We know she's pregnant. Her friend was also pregnant with an alien baby and lost it. And I think they're going to say later on, they're still having trouble actually having, carrying a baby to term and having this. Yes, this interbreeding isn't perfect. Yeah. But why did they take uh, Kelly, our main woman, why did they also take her to the ship? That was just a like a checkup? Or was that the actual impregnation because the normal way wasn't working? That's what I thought. I was wondering. I thought that's when she got impregnated. It was when she was in the ship. Like the coitus was just practice or whatever like just for fun ship. 
Yeah, just for fun. <laughs> it is unclear. It is it is something that is unclear is whether the interbreeding is happening through traditional methods or if it was due to that like abduction sequence. They never really specify. And the other no. thing I want to mention, which I just thought was funny, is they're having the argument. He's basically like, you're right, I am an alien. And she's like, I hate you. And he's like, no one will believe you. And then she's like, they will believe me. And he's like, and you can't leave. And she's like, yes, I can. And she just leaves. And I was like, well, he wasn't no, no, even trying to. He says, I will, I cannot let you leave. And then he proceeds to do just that. And she just drives away casually. Yeah. And I'm like, you didn't do anything. Like, you, you <laughs> didn't know. stop her. Like, you said you couldn't. Yeah, it's, it's so weird. And, like, in one of the, like, grimmer lines of this movie that, you know, we're all thinking, obviously, when you're, she's got an alien baby in her, what are her options? We all kind of know in the back of our head. But Kelly literally shouts at him, I'm going to get an abortion. And then he says, I don't care for those. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it would be funnier if he was like, they just, it's its like a little gap in their knowledge of, of Earth. And he was like, abortion? Wait a minute. We didn't plan for this. <laughs> didn't factor into their plans. It feels like for a hot second, this is the direction it's going to take is she needs to do this because, you know, she was essentially sexually assaulted. But they abandon it. I mean, like they never come back to it. I was just like, why did you introduce, like in what is essentially a Hallmark movie, you introduce a very like. A topic, if you're going to bring it up, you probably need to talk about. And they just immediately just like, just it's a throwaway line. I'm just like, what is happening in this movie? It, it at times just takes the like darkest, weirdest turn and then just forgets it. Ignores it like the puppy murder. The t- it'll totally take the craziest shift and then just go back to being this like light, fluffy Hallmark movie. I'm like, what is <laughs> this movie is insane. She doesn't, but eventually she doesn't know who to go talk to. Like she knows there's an alien invasion happening. She doesn't know who to talk to, but... She just decides, I'll go talk to my uncle doctor because who else can I trust? And she figures that if they're body snatching people for an interbreeding program, they probably wouldn't take old guys (laughs) because I guess old guys probably aren't breeding. This is her logic anyway. Yeah. And she goes to talk to him and he's just like, oh, yeah, you know what? As town doctor, I've heard quite a few similar stories to what you're telling me. So I believe what you're saying. And I'm just like, wait, 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 wait. There are people all over this town who are having this exact same experience, <laughs> and we're just hanging out with Kelly. Yeah. Well, it's one of them is the one who put up the, the missing dog posters. Right, right. That person is very concerned about this invasion Yeah, and is doing something about it, but we're hanging out with Kelly. Um, and her and her uncle doctor basically come up with a plan of what to do about this alien invasion. Is They go visit the old bartender, and they have him put together a list of all the men in town who are still drunks. Because they're the only people you can now trust. And they what they do is they essentially form a posse of old men who is the last hope to stop an alien invasion. No women allowed. Yeah, what I like is not only is it a bunch of old men, it's a bunch of old, angry, old white men with shotguns and they're drunk. <laughs> I mean, if there's a recipe for disaster, this is it right here. Isn't that the NRA? Do not attempt to talk to a single other woman in this movie <laughs> who would be the one you could trust. It's like, no, no, no. These drunk old men with shotguns. That's our that's our final solution. Let, let me make the argument. That's our though. hope. In the next couple scenes, we're going to see a scene where Kelly grabs a shotgun and starts shooting like she's Rambo. But I'll make the point, uh, she misses every time. So maybe it was a good, maybe these these old drunks are the better way to go. Well, it is, it is very funny because, like, this this is where, they, I guess, the momentum picks up in the movie. Like, Kelly immediately gets this posse together, and then she just goes home to reconfront her alien husband. And they get in another fight. Nick finally, like, slaps her across the face and then, you know, morphs into this terrible-looking purple alien thing. And the CG, like, 
it's not great when they just do it for a hot second, but they actually make the alien creature walk at her this time. Yeah. And it, like, takes two steps toward her and then, like, clumsily falls down a set of stairs. And I was just like, ah, what is happening? Is it supposed to be, like, some like an arachnid, like a kind of spider-like kind of character? Because it has a bunch of legs, right? I don't know. Does it have... Or claws? I thought it was bipedal. I thought he had legs, though. I didn't... Did, he had multiple legs? Did I miss that? Well, maybe it was his claws. It looked weird anyways. I'm not sure where it all fit in the body. Because what I actually thought was it was going to, like, rip the skin off. But it just... It's not even that. It's almost like the human skin is like um, like a hologram, I guess. Yeah. It's a shell. And it just like fades away. And then, yeah, it, it like sort of tri- – I think the idea is we're supposed to get the fa- – we're supposed to get the idea it runs at her and it she trips it down the stairs. <laughs> yeah. But because the CG is so bad, it just like takes two awkward steps <laughs> and then falls down a staircase. And I was, could not stop laughing. Anyway, she's doing this. She's locking Nick in the basement. And this old man posse is like arriving at this alien spaceship. I – I don't know how they found it. They just knew where to go. Doesn't matter. An alien comes out. You know, one of these body swapped alien men comes out. They open fire on him. The bullets have no effect. So they're like, run away. Our bullets don't work. Yeah, that was their only plan. And Kelly crosses paths with them. Her missing dog reappears out of the blue suddenly because this the aliens grab Kelly after she tries to shoot at them. They're holding Kelly. Her dog reappears in the last, like, five minutes of this movie to jump on the alien's back and it kills the alien in some way that it's unclear to me and then the doctor's like oh it's that tube on his neck we have to shoot the tube and i'm like what <laughs> what are you talking what tube on his neck I, I'm, I like that i guess no one told the dog that she didn't care about it and she immediately replaced it because the dog's the real hero of this and he's been living in the wilderness like eating chipmunks i guess for two months at yeah. least <laughs> he looked very well fed for a dog that's been <laughs> ro- loose for two months he's been eating aliens they don't know the entire time <laughs> he's just been eating aliens left right and center that's true he knows about he knows about that tube on their neck are, are so that, like it's the tube that it's not dogs are a bane for aliens in general it's like specifically that tube that killed him well the doctor says as soon as he sees it he's like you may have to shoot the tube on their neck, and then they proceed to go and shoot an alien, I guess, in the neck, and it dies. And it dies, yeah. It's baffling. Baffling. They they go inside of this alien egg ship, and uh, some, you know, it's not a great looking ship. It's okay. It's not bad. Whatever. It's not. It's not it's terrible. Not bad. Yeah, that's where their budget went for the for the movie. It's true. They built a nice little set. They find the townsmen. They're still alive. They're all strapped to the walls and kind of like weird, like alien apparatuses with like an oxygen mask over their face to hold them in, a, I guess, a comatose state. It's all matrixy. Very matrixy. And of course, uh, they pull one of the masks off to see if the men are still alive. And we cut to outside where I guess the body, the alien whose body swapped for that man, collapses into a pile of purple goo. Yeah. So I guess the, the what they're implying is that they need to keep the people alive because they are sucking some sort of consciousness or uh, reflection from this person. So if that person is not connected to the ship, they will then die. But I don't know why they die or why don't they just become their own form. Yeah, why do they turn into a a pile of purple goo? (laughs) I mean, we've seen Steve die. He did not turn into a pile of purple goo in front of everyone. I guess that explains uh, if parts of the uh, original personality are left in the alien. I guess guess you can almost assume that maybe... Maybe if that's the mechanics, then yes. Maybe. I guess and they are psychic. They all talk to each other psychically, yeah. so maybe they can just, like, steal a few. A it's few not memories. perfect, though. The system's not perfect. <laughs> but essentially, this is this is it. This is, like, they're basically saving the day because they're pulling all these masks off the men. We keep cutting to aliens, collapsing to piles of goo. The ship starts shaking. It's, like, rattling around, and Uncle Doctor's like, Kelly, go wait outside the ship while we finish up in here. 
because we need to have one final confrontation with you and your alien husband. Why does the ship start shaking? Because there's no indication they've done anything to injure the ship or damage it in any way. Just for the tension. (laughs) The tension of the scene. Uh, Yeah, there's no reason. There's no reason at all. And she goes outside... As you, this is you alluded to this at the beginning of the uh, the episode here. You are. She goes outside. Alien Nick is waiting for her, and she's just like, "I hate you so much. I can't wait for you to die as a pile of goo in front of me." And he's just like, "Oh, whoa! I thought we had something here. I really <laughs> whoa, loved whoa. you. <laughs> I thought we were bonding after two months." The alien professes his real undying love for her, yeah. mm-hmm. and she's just like, nah, "No, thank you." And then he tie- falls into a puddle of goo. <laughs> You know, and if you just tuned in for that last moment, maybe it would have made sense because it's kind of like this scene with finality where the alien's fading away. But it kind of you have to disregard everything that preceded going up to that point. Well, you're right, because if they had had as a sort of a subplot of this one particular alien was sent for this mission, which was to uh, try to keep their species going by impregnating uh, women on Earth. But along the way. He starts realizing something about him and starts gaining this, for lack of a better term, this humanity to him or this uh, realizes a conscience. Yeah, a conscience of some sort. But, you know, and goes, we shouldn't be doing this. And and then he sacrifices himself at the end or something. Now, it's cheesy and we've seen a million times, but at least it would make sense. They just throw this in like, (laughs) oh, I loved you all the way. And I was like, why? Because of the multiple rapes you were doing the entire time? Because you just slapped her a few scenes ago? (laughs) I know. baffling at any rate the real nick is saved all of the old man posse gets out of the ship with everyone the ship then i takes off i guess of its own volition and flies away (laughs) it's conscious it's fine it's okay yeah the ship's fine and then we hard cut to kelly giving birth to her alien baby with purple eyes yeah but i like that and what a reveal at the end there the, the characters are like, it's sort of like, you know, that sort of like fake out ending where like, they have a baby, everything's good, but oh no, it's an alien. I'm like, but of course it's an alien. <laughs> yeah. We never doubted it for a moment. <laughs> we never doubted it wasn't going to be an alien. The parents know it's an alien. Everyone seems very chill about the entire situation. They're like, ah, we decided just to have the alien baby. Why not? <laughs> no, I think we're supposed to believe that they think it's theirs. They don't know. The little, the little wink at the end is just for the audience. You're like, maybe more adventures to come. How could she not know, though? She knows she's pregnant with an alien baby. Luke, she was married to her, him for like six months and only kind of figured out that he was an alien. She threatened to abort it. <laughs> There's enough gray area, though, where you can almost go, oh, maybe it was his real semen, you know? Because, like, who, who is the body back in the ship? Maybe, like, you know what I mean? Like, maybe the alien's a surrogate, so there's still kind of some physical overlap between the surrogate that's powering the alien. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm attempting to make sense of it. Eeyore, you've just given more thought to this than anyone involved in the movie <laughs> I, ever did. I, I probably did. Uh, no, I think somebody thought about it a lot more. I just think somewhere along, like, the script and, like, shooting it and the direct, like, something got disconnected. It, that's what it feels like to me. It might have been a better movie if, you know, like, the producers didn't get involved or... I don't know. Um, I you're 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 a generous person. Thank you're you. a generous person you are. <laughs> I'm just trying to find the bright side. But yeah, that's that's it. That's how the movie wraps up is like they have an alien baby. The the end, more more adventures to come, question mark. So tell me was that enough like was that last scene intriguing enough that if they made a second movie to this we'd be like, "Oh, I got to see what happens." Like I got to see what happens. I got to know how that baby yeah, what happens to the baby. No. Okay. The answer's no. <laughs> I want a prequel. The prequel, yeah. <laughs> you want to see? You want to go back to the alien planet to see how their gene pool diminished? Mm-hmm, exactly. That's actually might be a more interesting movie than the one we watched. <laughs> All right. Well, I assume. Do you guys have any final notes on this, or you want to get to ratings? Let's go to the ratings. Let's go to the ratings. All right, Eeyore. You know how this works. Ten stars. What, what do you think of I Married a Monster? This six, six and a half. 
<laughs> out of ten. I know I know the bar that we're judging it by, so we're not like you know, ten's not art, but it's about it's about a six and a half. Uh, okay, well, <laughs> is that high? <laughs> it's so high. <laughs> this is a, sorry. What's ten? What's what, what's number ten? Was ten like Tarkovsky? Is that like is that the rate? Is that the bar? I mean, it's personal. It's personal preference. Okay. Viewer. It's it's how you felt about the film yourself. Okay. How much did you enjoy it? Is is, is was it a six point five for you? Uh, five. Let's go to five. It's a five. Yeah. We're gonna you're gonna come down. It, it was watchable. Beaten. It was a watchable. I feel movie. I feel like you're browbeating him. <laughs> you're interrogating me too much. Well, I personally hated this film. The only redeeming value was the moment when that alien gave that man a swirly in a toilet. <laughs> that was a funny scene. So I'm giving it 0.5. <laughs> you hated it. Yeah, I, I also didn't like... I, th- I think the re- real main problem of this movie is that it's a dumb movie, but it's not really fun at all. Like we said, like if you like Hallmark movies, this is a, this is a science fiction movie for people who like those Hallmark Christmas movies. Like, There's nothing compelling here. Like it's kind of a body snatching story, but not really. It's just these flat characters stripped of anything that would make them interesting. So there's no tension, there's no atmosphere, there's no nothing. It's just people talking about stuff at the end. They're like, "Hey, glowing eye baby, am I right?" So <laughs> I would give it a two out of ten. Two out of ten. Two out of ten. I'm. I. I mean, point five is still high for me. <laughs> Zero point five. Wow. Oh man. Was it just because it was tedious to watch? Is that is that why your rating's so low? Like it was just there was nothing happening, but it kept leading you on the whole time. It was tedious. It was uh, badly it, like nothing fun happened in it, and like all of the human relationships were just like I couldn't stand. Yeah. Like I hated how everyone interacted. I hated all its gender politics. I hated everything about. True. It. I only liked when an alien gave a man a swirly. There was that miscarriage though, Luke. You like that? <laughs> I believe my note was do not enjoy. <laughs> Do you remember though when he cut the cut the swirly pattern in the grass for no reason? That was good. <laughs> yeah, there's that, that was pretty funny. And remember then he said, "Take me to your weeder," and we all had a good laugh. <laughs> this was your dream movie to do punch ups on. <laughs> That's why you liked it. That's why you gave it a two. Yeah. Uh, on the plus side, the soundtrack wasn't terrible. Like it, it wasn't riveting, but it was clearly somebody made an effort to compose music that kind of reflected the emotional you know what i mean like it's that middle of the road kind of like a composer just trying to break into hollywood like it was it was okay another positive the movie was aired in order like the beginning the beginning was before the end so that was good (laughs) they didn't botch it that way yeah it wasn't george lucas directing it (laughs) oh dear but yes i i think we can all agree that swirly scene was pretty unexpectedly funny so that almost justifies watching the whole movie just just to see that scene <laughs> and and the cgi is so bad it's actually hilarious well there i think we can tell you had a better time than most <laughs> i enjoyed it <laughs> but i guess that about wraps up for the episode i don't think there's anything left to cover so eeyore thank you so much for joining us to watch this um i'm glad you had a good time thanks for having me and listener you of course don't need to watch this movie but you can watch clips from it on our instagram and twitter at continuing brags the handle there there's a few good clips, or at least it'll give you a real sense of what this movie is and why you'll never watch it. Mm-hmm. People dying, people dying from oxygen. <laughs> people dying from oxygen. Yeah, maybe, maybe that'll be there. By the way, they <laughs> they they were allergic to cigarettes too. Cigarettes killed them as well, right? Alcohol, smoke, tobacco. Wasn't that one of the things? Was there a tobacco? I thought there was. Did I miss that? Like in the bar? I don't know. And they're talking about all the things that are poisonous. Like you guys don't drink. You guys don't smoke anymore. You just sit there and watch the TV. I thought I heard smoking was bad for them too. Anyway, just something I thought I'd ask at the very end. <laughs> Save it for your fan. Okay. <laughs> Will do. 
But if, if you have any thoughts on I Married a Monster, you can email us at continuedrag at gmail.com. That's it. That's the whole episode. So, listener, thank you for joining us. And, Jordan, I will see you next week. See you then. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rex Seedler. Produced by Jordan Dulloch and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Hughes.